Yes, you are. Welcome to the Dante Greco Show. It's a Friday. Hope you're ready for the weekend. Hope you're drinking already. You're at a happy hour. This is not a happy show. A lot of murder stories today. We got to talk about Alex Murder Murdahl. We got to talk about Andrew Tate and his cancer. And we got to talk about uh, people pulling murder suicides when they're about to get evicted, slaughtering their entire families. One woman even blew up her whole house full of her cats, too. Like the, the cats had no idea what the hell was going on. They didn't know that anyone was paying rent to live there. They got blown up. So it's kind of a dark week, but we're going to talk about it anyway. Um, big news, breaking news in the Murdoch case. I'm still not clear how to pronounce it. Is it Murdoch? Is it Murdoch? Who knows? But breaking news, he looks more frightening than ever. They shaved his head. Um, according to Brian Enton, of course, he's on top of everything. He goes from the Idaho killings to the Murdoch trial and back again. And who knows? If you get killed, he'll come cover you. The guy's really good at his job. I'm being serious. Uh, Brian Enton says that it's standard procedure. Procedure to shave the head, uh, according to the SC Department of Corrections. That's South Carolina. So Alex Murdoch starts his new life sentence in prison with a shaved head. He's ready to join the Aryan Nation or the Peckerwoods, whatever white prison gang they have in South Carolina. I'm sure Alex will be welcomed. I don't know if he has access to any money anymore. Like if he squirreled something away or if he blew it all on opioids and killing his family and then having to defend himself. But, you know, he might be able to make some moves in a prison gang. He's definitely devious enough and, and arrogant enough. And, you know, look, what else is he going to do? I think Alex Murdaugh is going to be quite a valuable player in the prison politic world, if I do say so myself, because of all of his knowledge as a lawyer. I mean, the, uh, you know, years uh, of working as an attorney and, you know, if there's one place where you need that kind of knowledge, it's in the federal penitentiary and they can't take that away from him. You know, he's going to know things. So I don't know. Uh, I'm not happy about this, but maybe Alex Murdaugh is going to have kind of an easier time in prison. The prisoners might say, cause it's not like he was a pedophile or he uh, did any kind of other weird thing that like, you know, where they got to put him in protective custody because people just want to kill you automatically. I haven't read yet, by the way, if he's going to be in protective custody because of his celebrity, but he doesn't have that stigma. All he did was kill his wife and son, which in prison is probably like, yeah, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So he might have an easy time, an easier time than we think. Not that he's going to enjoy it, but they might take care of, you know, trading trading favors for uh for knowledge for help you know someone's in there they want to try to get out maybe they go to alex hey listen man i've got you know some some ramen noodles or i got some cigarettes or i can smuggle you in some weed or something if that's what you all maybe i'll get you some opioids he's an opioid guy he's a, a victim of the opioid crisis alex murdoch and you know he says all right well let me take a look at your your documents let me see what you've uh, what you're what you're fighting what you what appeals you can make etc etc and let me see if i can help spring you from jail even though i will never get out speaking of appeals uh, apparently alex and his attorney are going to mount one in about 10 days i'll be curious to see if they can pull it off because i know there are still some questions about the case before the case before uh the verdict i should say a lot of people were saying well you know we think he did it but doesn't seem like the prosecutors are going to be able to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. So even though he probably is guilty, he may get off. In fact, noted American murder expert O.J. Simpson said as much himself. Well, let's go over here to some of O.J.'s tweets. I love, by the way, O.J. Simpson paying for Twitter blue. You know, he never got verified under the old regime and he complained about it. And he, he, you know, he said, screw it. Uh, this is another $11 a month that 
Fred Goldman is not going to get, I'm going to sign up for Twitter Blue. I did the same for my Dante Greco show account, by the way. That's at Greco underscore show if you want to follow it because uh, it makes you look more legitimate. It really does. The blue check mark still has a power. Okay, so let's see what OJ said. This was before the verdict. We'll just look at a little bit of that. And then we'll look at what OJ said after the verdict. Of this uh, Alex Murdoch trial. I don't know why they think I'm an expert on it, but uh, I got to admit, when he took the stand, a guy who's an habitual liar, I did watch um, um, when the trial first started. Uh, I watched him take the stand, and I uh, thought it was probably a mistake because the guy is an admitted liar, and it's hard for me to think he can be on the stand five, six, seven, eight days uh, without lying. question is, what did he lie about? Uh, but lying and stealing money is a little different than murder. Uh, I realized in watching them testify what he was doing. He was just trying to relate to one or two of those jurors that he was a good old boy. He was one of them. Uh, and I'm not sure he didn't succeed in doing that. Uh, I am not qualified to, to really say if the guy did it or he didn't do it. Uh, you know, if a- Oh, you're qualified. There's one man in America that's qualified. By the way, you know, OJ, I've said it before, not a bad commentator. Maybe uh, let's get him a gig at Newsmax. Or is Court TV still a thing? Let's bring him on. You know, I know he prefers to talk sports, but this might be his way. He could be an expert. A juror missed an hour of testimony. They no longer qualified. I've missed days that I haven't watched this. Um uh, but from what I've seen, do I think it's more likely that he did it? Yes. But more likely equals reasonable doubt. Uh, so uh, from what I know, uh, I would have to say there's a lot of reasonable doubt there. Uh, he's going to go to jail for all the thievery he did, stealing millions of dollars of people. I think he should. That's true. He is facing 700 years separately for his financial crimes. So. You know, either way, even if he wins the appeal on the murders, Alex Murdahl, Murda Murdahl, is not getting out. We looked at more about the death of his housekeeper a few years ago where he ended up with. Yeah. Well, anyway, the guy kills a bunch of people, he kills housekeepers, he kills uh, family, son. It's just a total joy to be around Alex Murdahl. Now, let's look at OJ's reaction after the verdict. So you heard he said, look, I think he did it, but it's not reasonable doubt. However. Well, I just told a buddy of mine, we were on the phone, and we were talking about this murder case. And I said, well, you know, I don't know. You know, I think the guy might be able to uh, get some reasonable doubt uh, there. But I said, if the verdict comes back tomorrow, he's going to be guilty. If the verdict comes back uh, next week sometime, that means they're probably fighting and there's probably some disagreement in it. Uh, one thing that I was told by the lieutenant uh, of the sheriff's department uh, when I was incarcerated uh, in, in, in one of my cases, and uh, after the police officers had testified in my case, uh, all of the sheriff's department, they ran the jail, not the prison, but they ran the jail, and that's where I was being housed. Uh, they said, you're going home. And I said, well, how can you guys be so sure? They said, when a jury sees somebody as lying, especially police officers, uh, they won't convict. And like it or not, those police officers, it was pretty uh, apparent that they were lying about stuff. Well, uh, that seemed to be the case here with Murdoch. The one thing that the jury must have seen is that the guy's a liar. And once the guy's a liar, you can't believe anything he says. This is he is delivering some of the best commentary I've heard on this case. He's very astute, comes from experience. I'm telling you, Newsmax or OANN, one of these, you know, more fringy news outlets, bring OJ Simpson on. Simpson and Cuomo, primetime, telling you. Now, I thought, and as I said, I didn't watch the whole case, so I don't, I, I don't know. I'm not qualified to render a judgment one way or the other because I didn't watch it all. But I know the guy's a liar. It's hard for me to think that he could have um, 
been on the stands five, six, seven days and without lying. And I guess that's where the jury saw it. In any event, it's done. It's over now. <laughs> Down goes Murdoch. I'm just saying. Take care. All right, good. He's still saying, I'm just saying, because he started this video in the previous video without his signature. Hey, Twitter world, it's me, yours truly. But he still got, I'm just saying. So that's good. Uh, some great points. And a lot of people have said the same. You know, once they found out he was lying and they had the, the video, the, the cell phone video that his son took, it was over for him. He was done. So Murdoch is going to jail for life one way or another, whether it's for financial crimes, whether it's for murdering his son and wife. And I don't know if they'll ever look into the nanny, or not the nanny, the maid, but the guy's in trouble. So let's continue reading about this. So he got his new buzz cut. They just shaved that head right off. It's like going into the military. They just shave your head. Uh, he'll be housed in South Carolina's Kirkland Reception and Evaluation Center. Kirkland. Is this like the Costco brand Kirkland? Is that where he's being housed? They do evaluation centers at correctional facilities now. Earlier, the judge eviscerated Murdoch, who we call the monster controlled by drugs. I wonder if he's clean. He must be clean by now. I mean, that's the thing. Uh, he's going to be able to get those opioids in jail. I'm sure of it. He's just biding his time. And why not? He should just go for an overdose. Just end it. Uh, he'll be held in a single cell for the next 45 days. Yeah, their political dynasty is over. Not political. What is it? Uh, Southern dynasty. And it's disgraced patriarch. Took the jury 45 minutes only. Yeah, it was so quick yesterday. It came in. I didn't even have time. I wanted to do a show about this as soon as it happened, but like I didn't think that this it was gonna happen so quickly. So I I made plans. Judge Craig Moyer said Murdoch never showed remorse on the stand. The nail in his coffin was a video filmed by his son moments before the murders. Right. Guy is sick. Let's relive some of the best moments. Well, real quick. Okay, so this was him with his hair. Yeah, he's not one of those guys who looks better bald because his head is too big. His head, his cranium is too large and wide. He does have a nicely rounded head, though. You know, I didn't really expect his head to be so nicely round. I'm sure it's got all kind of liver spots on it and whatnot that we can't see in this grainy photo. But, yeah, scary, scary stuff. Maybe grow a beard. I would say a beard would uh, do him well. All right. Let's look at six of the most bizarre moments from Alex Murdoch's bombshell double murder trial coming up on Inside Edition tonight on Extra. Trial watchers have been gripped by the nicknames Big Red for Murdaugh, Paw Paw for Paul, which is always weird to me. It, it, I mean, it's been weird to me. Paw Paw, because Paw Paw is usually an old man, somebody's grandfather. Paw Paw. White boy for a farm truck and Bo Whoop for a shotgun. I'm not from the South. I'm from California. I lived in the South briefly, but... Is any if anybody from the South can tell me, are these unusual slang terms like a bow whoop or a white boy for a for a farm truck? There's the family. What a disaster. Reminds me a little bit of the Madoff or and, uh, yeah, Madoff. Getting all these M's mixed up. Madoff, I watched the documentary on Netflix yesterday, which is pretty good. And, you know, that whole family was just demolished. One of his sons kills himself. The other one gets cancer only a few years after uh, Madoff dies. You know, lots of other people dying and suicide. It's, by the way, this is such an upbeat show today. 
sure we're all enjoying it. Uh, yeah. And by the way, just speaking of Madoff real quick, uh, just to go on a, on a tangent, I was shocked to find out they revealed that JP Morgan Chase was the bank handling Madoff's big fraud fund. And like they couldn't pin it on them to say someone knew what was going on, but they should have had some oversight. And then you come to also find out JP Morgan Chase was the same ones keeping Epstein in business. And I used to bank with JP Morgan Chase. It makes me feel bad. Maybe some of my money was sent over to Little St. James Island or something. Let's get back to Murdoch. Uh, Murdoch was known as Big Red, while Paul was called Little Rooster. Hmm. Murdoch's attorney points a rifle at the prosecution bench and jokes, tempting. I wish I'd watched more of this trial. Now that it's over, it seems more fun. I just couldn't get into it. I couldn't get into being a regular watcher. I was more interested in the case when it first happened, but the trial didn't suck me in. Maybe I should have watched the Netflix documentary on this first, and I probably will now. Dick Harpootlian. These names. Dick Harpootlian indulged in the gallows humor as the defense on February 21st provided analysis of gunshots at the crime scene. Everyone was laughing. Even Murdoch was laughing a couple of times. I saw him laughing about the juror who had to get excused and she wanted her eggs back. He had a nice big smile on his face. It's like, meanwhile, later that day, you're about to get sentenced to life in prison. What are you doing? Tempting. Murdoch, Char, we're, we're going over the six most bizarre moments. At the Alex Murdoch trial from the DailyMail.com. Murdoch charged over contraband and Buster caught flipping the bird at a prosecution witness. The defendant was allegedly handed a book from his sister Lynn. And Buster gave a uh, gave his finger. Eh, right? I don't know. If that's the best screenshot they could come up with, it, you know, he could just be biting his nail. People do bite their nails. It gets boring in there, just sitting in a courtroom all day. When I used to have to cover court cases for TMZ and I'd go in there, we'd have to wait for the celebrity case to be called. You're just sitting there. like you know. It was interesting to see the judicial system at work and not have any stakes involved. You know, like it's like you're not there to like fight a traffic ticket or something. You're just there to witness it. So it's kind of interesting to hear the procedurals, but or the procedures, but um, still. It can get boring, especially when you have to sit there all day. Court evacuated after bomb threat made on the judge's chambers. Okay. Attorney pays another prosecution witness $1,000 to reward her bravery. All right. I mean, these moments are, they, they, they total them up, but who cares? It's over. These are now the unanswered questions after the six-week trial let's go over some of these because like i said murdaw murder murdaw is going to file an appeal in about 10 days and hopefully a little bit of his hair has grown back and he looks less frightening all right here are the riddles prosecutors still weren't able to solve why did Alex Murdoch kill his wife and son? Prosecution put forward the theory that he murdered his wife and son because his life was spiraling out of control. But they didn't nail down a specific motive. You know, honestly, this ties into stories that I'm going to cover later in the show. These murder suicides that keep happening as people are getting evicted. Like this one woman just wiped out her whole family. She shot her dad. She shot her son. She shot her, shot her daughter. Shot her husband. Shot herself when the cops showed up to evict her. Only the daughter survived. Listen, it seems like, and this is not something I would do, but it seems like there's a lot of people out there who, when their life starts to spiral out of control, kill their family members. So that could have been a motive enough especially if you're an opioid-outed, drugged-up weirdo. He testified that he was in the throes of crippling opioid addiction, was facing mounting financial problems, and there were rumors of his marriage falling apart. Nothing about evictions, though. All those factors led to rampant speculation. 
Did he kill Maggie because she was planning to divorce him? And that would have revealed his financial crimes? Did he shoot Paul because his drunken boating accident, which led to the death of a teenage girl, put the family into financial jeopardy? While both were hinted at, both inside and outside the courtroom, prosecutors were not able to determine specifically when or why he snapped. I wonder if he'll ever tell us. Once the appeal is lost and he's doing 700 other years for financial crimes, maybe he'll write a book in jail. If I did it by Alex Murdoch. Where are the murder weapons? None of the guns were seized. None of the guns seized from the Murdoch family's impressive arsenal of firearms were definitively ruled as the murder weapons. Paul was shot in the head and chest with a shotgun. God, what's even left of the head? While Maggie was shot five times with an assault rifle, suggested she was running away at the time that the fatal shot with it was an execution style blow to the head. I mean, imagine how fucking frightening that would be. Your dad or your husband is all of a sudden coming after you with an automatic weapon and he's not like kidding around. You can't talk him out of it. He just starts opening fire to the point that it kills you. Holy shit. Neither of the weapons have ever been recovered. A rifle that Alex bought for Paul, which is missing, could be a match. But, uh, <laughs> thank you, Natalie. But it was never found. Okay, so they didn't find the guns. Big deal. Where They're probably at the bottom of some lake in South Carolina. Why did Buster Murdoch stand by his father at trial? Buster is Maggie and Alex's only surviving son. I hate that his name is Alex, by the way, because he's so old. He's like 60 years old. And they we're still calling him Alex. Like, either go to Alexander or Alec. You got something in common anyway. Um, his presence was a marked shift. Alex just sounds a little bit immature for a 55 or however old he is murderer. Is he going to start drawing Social Security yet? I don't know. His presence was a market shift from when he told DailyMail.com that he didn't want it written anywhere that he supported him. Buster also took the stand in his father's defense to tell the jury that he was devastated by the killings. Well, I would hope so. He stopped short of stating on record that he didn't think his father was capable of killing, but was very much in his corner throughout the proceedings. His support remains unexplained. Where are the bloody clothes Murdoch was apparently wearing at the time of the murders? Prosecution told them that his shirt had blood spatter on it. It's part of the evidence that led them to indict him, but it turned out to be false. During the trial, it emerged no blood spatter was ever found on the white t-shirt Murdoch was wearing when he first questioned when he was first questioned by police after the murders. A Snapchat video recorded by his late son Paul earlier that evening shows him wearing a different set of clothing, but they were never seized or tested for DNA or blood. He told the court he changed clothes because it was hot that day and he'd been out working on the property, which, by the way, could also be true. I mean, walking around in a sweat and blood covered T-shirt, you're going to want to change that thing, especially when it's hot. You know, it's even more gross. Buster Murdoch also testified that it wasn't unusual for his shower to for his father to shower multiple times a day. Yeah, it's very weird. I mean, yeah, it's hot. It's sweaty. Probably smells terrible. His feet probably stink walking around in like some wingtips or whatever lawyers wear, you know, leather shoes. Got a tie on, you know, stereotypical Southern lawyers sweating coming out of the courtroom. Bet he smelled terrible. It's a good thing that he showered multiple times a day, but also weird. Where's all the money, Lebowski? He's accused of fraudulently acquiring around $14 million by embezzling from his law firm and ripping off vulnerable clients, including the sons of his late housekeeper, Gloria Satterfield. He told the court he spent as much as $60,000 a week on drugs to feed his crippling opioid addiction. But even a habit that consistent wouldn't have burned through all the cash as quickly as he claims. He's facing separate charges on the financial crimes. It's unclear how the murder conviction will impact the case. Well, that's what I was wondering at the start of the show. Does he have the money squirreled away? Now he's going to figure out how to get into his commissary or, you know, get to him in prison because I think he's going to have not a great time, but a more enjoyable time than someone who has nothing to offer. 
He's got all his legal knowledge that he can help the other inmates with, and he probably has money stashed away. He probably also did spend a lot of that money on opioids, though. You want to know where the money is? It's in the hands of drug dealers. And I don't know, a bar or something. Who knows? Maybe he put it in FTX and he just hasn't revealed that yet. We'll see when the uh, financial crimes trial happens. Will he appeal? Yesterday, his attorney, he's maintained his innocence. His attorney said in their closing arguments that he only ever lied about circumstances such as his whereabouts due to paranoia brought on by his drug addiction, that he had always been truthful about his innocence. Throughout the trial, his defense attorneys have argued against the inclusion of evidence regarding his financial crimes and the fatal boat crash, which they claimed was character assassination and not related to the murders. Okay, yeah, he will appeal. So this article was written before the announcement of the appeal. I wonder how his hearing is. Because, you know, $60,000, did that say a month or a week? A week on drugs. Okay. That's $240,000 a month on opioids and two million, millions of dollars a year on opioids. How is his hearing? Because you remember Rush Limbaugh, the radio host who died two years ago. He had the big opioid addiction. And then he lost his hearing and he had to come back with hearing aids. Ladies and gentlemen, President Obama. Okay. All right. So that's uh, the unanswered questions. Will we get the answer? We just don't know. All right. So that's Alex Murdoch. Let's take one more look at his scary bald head before we move on. Popular influencer Andrew Tate, currently incarcerated in a Romanian prison for sex trafficking charges. They won't let him out. Every time he has a chance to get out, they extend it another 30 days. It has been revealed that Mr. Tate does, in fact, have lung cancer. It was a rumor online. Some people discovered some medical records of his. And then his manager came out and um, confirmed that he does, in fact, have lung cancer. Let me see that. I want to make sure it's manager. Yeah. His manager says that uh, a lot of people say the lung cancer story is true. Okay, a lot of people are asking me if Tate lung cancer story is true. Yes, it's true. I was the one driving him with him to and from the hospitals in Dubai. I don't have any more specifics to share. How does you have to do they take health insurance in Dubai or is that like the most expensive hospital visits in the world? Why would you do your hospital visits in Dubai? We're talking about a place where they have gold that comes out of vending machines in case you just like you you need an emergency bar of gold and you want to go do your cancer treatments in Dubai they take Medicaid anyway he's got cancer and he's in jail horrible combination if you're trying to be comfortable at all you don't want lung cancer while you're in prison it looks like he's not doing too well there you know he's growing his beard out he's growing his whatever hair he's got looking scraggly a lot of people hate andrew tate they're happy that he was kicked off every sort of platform they're happy that he's locked up i don't i'm not a fan uh i don't have a visceral hatred of andrew tate like everyone else does because i don't think i just i just don't think i know enough about him i've heard exactly one interview with him he was a guest on the tim Dillon show and i listened to it and some of what he said didn't sound that crazy, but then you juxtapose it with these videos of him online where he's just talking. It's like, you know, at the risk of sounding like a lib cuck, sounds very misogynistic, the stuff that he's saying. I didn't like it. So I don't know. And also, if it's true that he is sex trafficking women in Romania, that's that's a bad thing. Anyway, he got he's got cancer, he's got lung cancer. Um, they, honestly, they might be trying to kill him. I will give him that because 
prior to the cancer revelation, they were saying like, oh, they're locking him up and they keep extending his detention to to like, you know, kill his message and, you know, keep him down and not let him get out there and let young men hear what he has to say, uh, which could be true. And now if he's stuck in a Romanian prison and they're not and they're denying him medical treatment, they may just be thinking, you know what, let's take his ass. You remember if, if you don't, if you're not too familiar with him, the big thing was he got arrested after getting into a Twitter spat with Greta Thunberg, the now 21 year old, I think, or 19 year old climate activist. How dare you? That girl, she got into a Twitter spat. He made a video in the video. They could see a pizza box from a local Romanian pizza place, not Comet Ping Pong, but it was another uh, pizza place. And uh, they, they, by seeing that, they were able to figure out that he was in Romania. So they knocked down his door, took him and his brother in, into custody, and he's been there ever since. All right. And he's had cancer the whole time, lung cancer. Uh, Tate's doctors. So let's get into this. He has a dark spot on his lung, and that is most likely a tumor. He attended a medical consultation with doctors in Dubai about his serious health condition that must not be taken lightly before he was arrested in December, his team told Mail Online. Since his arrest, Tate has been receiving medical treatment in Romania for the medical condition, and the influencer said he remains strong and in good shape. His doctors in both Romania and Dubai reportedly wrote in medical documents that the influencer has a lesion on his upper right lung, a condition that could be described as a serious health condition. Said the, his doctor said the lesion could be a sign of a carinoid tumor, a rare type of slow-growing cancer. Okay, so if you're a Tate fan, that's kind of good news, slow-growing. But if they got him in Romanian prison and they're not given a medical attention, then any cancer is bad news, right? Keep reading. He confirmed with his spokesperson telling the mail online, Tate has a dark spot. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we got that. We got that. Uh, he's requested to be released from, from prison so he can receive treatment in Dubai. Which Dubai, do they have an extradition thing? Maybe that's part of the reason also. He wants to get there and just and just stay there. Romanian officials, however, have said that Tate will receive any medical treatment in Romania. No official diagnosis has been confirmed. He's in good shape. Okay, it's not a health issue to be taken lightly, and all due diligence is being made to make sure he gets the best medical care that is available to him. That could be really bad medical care in a prison. That could be really bad. He's kind of a young guy. I don't even know. Is he 40? I think I read that he is a cigar smoker. So don't smoke. I knew a guy who told me, uh, I used to work with this guy. He was a smoker in his youth and he quit smoking for like 30 years. And then one day he just started up again, dead within four or five years of cancer from smoking. So can't smoke. So that's Andrew Tate. He's got cancer. Uh, I don't know if you can even start a GoFundMe for him or, or what do you want to do or subscribe to his YouTube page or whatever. But uh, uh, do with that news what you will. All right, let's talk about these murder suicides that keep happening. No, I'm not talking about Alex Murdoch. I'm talking about Ohio mom murders thrash metal singer husband, their son and her father. Son was 13, father was 74. Horrible. There's got to be nothing more aggravating than being murdered by someone that you had and raised. Like, I had you, and you will now kill me? F you. How dare you? Oh, sorry. One second. I'm getting a text here. It's from my fiance. 
wondering where I am. I was supposed to meet up with her, and then it was uh, taking too long, so I decided to just go live. I was going to go live later, but whatever. All right. Steve Kane was killed. Okay, whatever. Let's get, let's get to the details. Let's get to the details about the eviction. It's a lot of stress. An Ohio mom killed her thrash metal singer husband, 13-year-old son, and 74-year-old dad before turning the gun on herself as cops arrived to serve eviction papers. Teresa Kane also shot her 20-year-old daughter, Samantha, at her family's home in Ohio Township on February 27th. Samantha survives, but remains in critical condition in the hospital. A lot of bad stuff happening to Ohio lately. Don't forget about East Palestine. It began when deputies from Claremont County Sheriff's Office arrived to serve eviction papers at around 9.40 a.m. that morning. Kane and her family's $299,000 home had recently gone into foreclosure and was bought for $230,000. 9.40 a.m. Imagine, barely even had your coffee, maybe your first but not your second coffee, and you make the decision to massacre your whole family. I would be too tired to even think of that. Teresa greeted the cops on the patio before rushing back inside her home. Deputies then heard a muffled voice cry out, No, 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 no. Oh, wait, wait. No, 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 no. Yeah, okay, four no's. Before multiple gunshots rang out. Those killed have since been identified as Teresa's husband, Stephen Kane, 50, her son, and her father. Stephen was a singer in a thrash metal band called Critical Chaos, and cops say he was likely shot dead in a basement at the home around 30 minutes before they arrived. Oh, wow. Okay, so I thought cops showed up and she just went in and immediately started firing. No, so she had killed the husband already, and everyone else is just hanging out. There she is. There she is, Miss Murder Suicide. That's terrible. Guy was doing what he loved. He was in a thrash metal band. It's not my kind of music, but, you know, it was music. It was his life. Ugh, poor kid. 13, you know, probably wasn't a very enjoyable house. If the mom is capable of that, there had to have been some indicators ahead of time probably wasn't a fun house to grow up in the eviction that turned deadly was the culmination of a long financial struggle is that a cincinnati bangles t-shirt is that the bangles uh logo I don't know. Can't tell. Anyways, if it is, Joe Burrow blew it. He couldn't get it done for this kid. Son of a bitch. Sheriff said, all right, where was I? I lost my place. Okay, it was the culmination of a long financial struggle for the Ohio family with the foreclosure of their home, the likely motive for the tragic massacre. Yeah, I mean, what are they going to do? You know, live under a freeway overpass? You know, not everybody wants to do that. I know in L.A. they think that people do that on purpose and they enjoy it, but no. Sheriff Steve Leahy said Teresa Kane was standing on the outside patio when deputies rolled up to the family home. They said they spoke with her in the days before to discuss the impending eviction and didn't expect any issues as she was cooperative. Sneaky. She requested a few extra hours for the family to pack up but said they'd leave by 10 a.m. February 27th. Should have said no. One rule in life, people ask you for extra or ask you for help, just say no. Might prevent a slaughter. Sheriff said it was, uh, okay, they claimed she rushed inside as soon as the, the deputies arrived, and they didn't receive a response when they knocked on the door. They heard a muffled no, 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 no. Well, it's terrible because it was probably the, the old man or the 13-year-old. Jesus. It was followed by a very fast succession of gunshots where Teresa shot dead three of her family members before turning the gun on herself. 
after the deputies were able to safely enter the home, they found her dead upstairs nearby to her deceased 13-year-old son, Ethan, and 74-year-old father, William, who lived in the home. Officers then found her husband, Stephen, 50, on a downstairs couch with the investigation concluding Teresa shot him first. This is terrible. It's really awful. The daughter survived, but she's in critical condition. We don't know what's going to happen to her. I mean, there is just so much stress in this country right now. To be serious now, there is so much stress, financial stress right now, that people, rather than facing eviction, are just killing everyone in the house. And there's the other woman in New Jersey She's fighting eviction, living in her house full of cats. She blew the whole house up with the cats. How selfish. Let the cats run free. The cats have no idea about the concept of rent and eviction and uh, an economy that you're not participating in anymore. The cats didn't. The cats just want to, you know, eat something and meow. Let the freaking cats out of there. That's right. Look at those cats. Uh, it was the New York Post. They've always got good snarky, good snarky headlines and articles. New York Post starts this article off. It was worse than a cat fight. A New Jersey woman's fight against eviction ended in a deadly blaze Wednesday when she intentionally started a fire in the home she shared with dozens of cats and refused to vacate. First of all, authorities should have been called long ago. Before eviction, it should have been committal to an institute. It should have been institution before eviction. If you're living in a home with dozens of any kind of animal, you should be, you know, someone needs to step in. It becomes a health crisis. Crisis. I remember a story about these women growing up in the Palisades who, uh, they, they, uh, these two old women, everyone in the neighborhood sitting there saying, What is with this rat problem that we're having? There's rats everywhere. There's a lot of rats for this neighborhood. Turns out, two old women who weren't all there had been feeding rats like at their back door, allowing the rats to stay healthy and create new rats. Until it was like a flood of rat. I mean, it was a, a nightmare scenario. This happened years ago, probably 30, 40 years ago. But like, so I don't know that there's video or pictures of it. But just, you know, someone had to know that this woman was living in there with way too many cats. All right. She started this intentionally and refused to vacate. The woman and dozens of cats died in the massive fire, which broke out shortly after 11 a.m. in Roosevelt. State police had served the unidentified woman an eviction notice, but she refused to leave and threatened to blow up the house. Well, she sure showed the property owner this time. Not only, you know, well, actually, I don't know. Now he can just kind of raise the property and rebuild on top of it. Before that, he may have had to raise it anyway because of who knows what kind of filth and disease was going on there with those cats. Honestly, this woman did us a favor. She could have prevented the next bubonic plague by doing this. Uh, yeah, I mean, something about serving eviction notices just sends people over the edge. Maybe we got to figure out a way to stop doing that. Like somehow get the eviction notice, but like not in a way that allows people to kill everyone around them. We're getting reports that the resident turned on the gas of the residents prior to igniting said New Jersey State Police Lieutenant Lawrence Peel. Neighbors were evacuated while police had a standoff with the woman. Multiple fire departments responded to the home, but were unable to get the woman out alive. No other injuries were reported. Yeah, everyone had to evacuate. The woman was the sole occupant of the house. People in the neighborhood say they knocked on our door this morning. Thank God it was a pretty loud knock. I grabbed my son. They told us to leave. She was threatening with a bomb or to bomb the house. Ended up with a fire. Don't you hate that when you're threatening with a bomb and you just end up with a fire? 
The woman was the sole occupant of the house. The once cat-filled home is completely charred and an attached home is unlivable. I wonder if any of the cats made it out. You know, they must have little secret passageways. Oh, God, someone who lived in an attached unit lost everything in the fire. It looks like my house is gone. It's still standing, but it's not livable, said Emma Quackenbush, which sounds more like the name of the woman who blew the house up. If you heard that Emma Quackenbush blew up her house with her 40 cats, you would say, all right, well, that sounds like a person named Quackenbush. But no, this is the innocent victim. Other neighbors gathered outside the scorched residence, told the radio station that the woman's boyfriend had been trying to evict her for several years, but his efforts were te hindered temporarily by Governor Phil Murphy's pandemic-era eviction moratorium. Wow. So it goes even deeper. It was like a revenge against her boyfriend, too. I'll blow up your house that you own. That's the problem, you know. Living in apartments. I've lived in apartments. It's nice. It's cheaper, but there could be some quacking bush living next door. Actually, I don't know if I should say that. Is that libel? All right. There could be some crazy person living next door or just someone who's irresponsible, who leaves the gas on, who blows the whole thing up. And then you're just sitting in your living room. The next thing you know, you're engulfed in flames. You and your cats. Roosevelt Mayor Peggy Malkin told the Asbury Park Press that the woman was a pet sitter and had built a cat house for the animals to live in separately. It's unclear how many cats perished in the flames. Okay, now that's even worse. I mean, I'm already against the cats being included. But don't tell me these were cats that she was pet sitting. These are other people's cats. Innocent cat owners. I'm more of a dog person, but... Still, these are just innocent little animals, and you're burning them up? How cheap could she have been? How cheap could her services have been that you could show up there and think, oh, yeah, I feel safe leaving my cat here? Terrible. It's unclear how many cats perished in the flames. Officials are asking people to stay away from the home as its structure is not secure. Well, that's a nightmare. Anyways, that's a trend in this country, uh, murdering your family or your cats when you're getting evicted. Started on TikTok. It's another one of those TikTok challenges. Hey, it's the murder your family upon eviction challenge, I think. That's what I heard. All right. One last thing, and then we're going to get out of here. We almost lost Matthew McConaughey and his wife. And some other non-famous people. But who cares, right? He was on board this turbulent Lufthansa flight from Austin, Texas, where he lives, to Germany. And uh, before we knew about them, we just heard about the flight, that it was so turbulent. They showed the the aisles, and there's you know stuff everywhere. Look, French rolls everywhere. Oh, my God. Paper, you know, glass. People rushed to the hospital. Turns out McConaughey was on this flight. His wife, Camilla, made a video about this. Who, By the way, Camilla, I mean, you know, she seems nice. But one time, and they, they used this video when, back at TMZ, she invited the airport camera guy to her house all the way out in Malibu, which is kind of a far drive from LAX. Like, you're talking about at least an hour. And I think she drove him because she was promoting, like, she had a product product that she was promoting like you know like she had her own little matthew mcconaughey is like a superstar actor oscar winner and she had her her project on the side to give her life some meaning and so she invited the tmz guy into the house to film her talking about it and they used the clip and all that so i'm not like uh, talking about anything that's uh, confidential but i just always thought it was a little weird like the guy she invited nice normal guy i got nothing against him it's not about him it's just did she know that did she know that he was a, you know, not some Alex Murdoch type? If I was McConaughey, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, what the hell? Are you? Uh, 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 uh. TMZ in my house. All right. They were on board this Lufthansa flight that sent seven 
to the hospital after plummeting thousands of feet in severe turbulence, and she's detailing their frightening experience. Her photo shows the cabin in complete disarray with food and cloth all over the place. She says she was told the aircraft dropped almost 4,000 feet, adding everything was flying everywhere. Yeah, I mean, they must have had a moment there where they're sitting there thinking, oh, my God, Matthew McConaughey killed in plane crash. Oscar winner, you know, how's it going to be? Is it going to be Oscar winner Matthew McConaughey or is it going to be like Matthew McConaughey, star of the Dallas Buyers Club? Or, you know, he'd probably prefer if it was like Matthew McConaughey, author of the autobiography, Green Lights, killed in plane crash. Matthew McConaughey, who was receiving $10 million a year from Salesforce to be a consultant for some reason while they're laying people off, uh, killed in plane crash. Anyways, Camilla also posted an update on their rescheduled flight, which got off to a troubling start. Pilot told them they'd be in 45 minutes of turbulence while flying out of D.C., which had to trigger some PTSD for passengers on the previous flight. Oh, oh, that's the second flight. Oh, my God. They couldn't get these people to flight out that wasn't through turbulence? I would have just said, you know what? Put me on the Greyhound. Give me a hotel. I'm not getting right back on a plane after dropping 4,000 feet. The airline's Airbus A330 made headlines when the turbulence struck over Tennessee, and at least one passenger was sure they were going to die. Yeah, I'm sure many more were. They just didn't admit it. There is a lot of weather in that part of the country. I remember when I was uh, driving through Tennessee trying to get to Oklahoma, and I should not have made this drive, but it was, you know, the, there were storm clouds on the horizon. And the forecast was for bad weather, tornadoes and all that. And I still did it because I wanted to get home. And the rain was so bad. I've never been more sure of uh, my death in a car crash because it was raining so hard. The windshield wipers couldn't even keep up. All you could see in the distance was these two little red taillights of the car in front of me. I was following them. I didn't know if there was a river on either side of me. I'm listening to like shitty am radio saying like ah tornadoes are touching down all around us and blah, blah 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 you know tornadoes at the border of oklahoma it's really scary weather over there so let's try not to fly over tennessee okay that's it i think we've covered absolutely everything i wanted to get to today i gotta go i gotta call my fiance so i'm gonna have to cut this short short i hope everyone has a great friday night a great weekend and I will see you on the next video. And as always, have a good life. We will see you soon. Much love. Thank you. Love. All right, Kanye. So once again, thank you to my brother. Tell him your name again. Dante Greco. Two words. Made in America. <laughs> Dante, you're doing great. That's good. I I want you to leave my good friend Ringo alone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 Have a good day.